0: Hello and welcome to PW Kidscast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak of authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Nick Bruhl, the creator of the Bad Kitty series, as well as picture books that include A Wonderful Year, Who is Melvin Bubble, and Bob and Otto. In January, Bad Kitty returns in a new chapter book, Bad Kitty Takes the Test. It's being published by Neil Porter Books an imprint of Roaring Brook Press, which is sponsoring this podcast. In Bad Kitty Takes the Test, Kitty discovers that her cat license has been unexpectedly revoked. In order to remain a cat, she'll need to take a standardized test, or maybe a few dozen of them, which lets Brule weigh in on everything from the perils of cheating to the ubiquity of the number two pencil. Nick, thanks for speaking with me.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. You know,
0: so in this book, you're, you're looking at standardized testing through a fairly screwball lens, I'd say, that includes chickens dressed up like cats, uh, nefarious underground conspiracies, uh, and the reappearance of your Uncle Murray character who just wants to renew his driver's license. But in reading the book, I I, I do feel like readers are going to get the sense that this is a topic that you maybe have some some strong feelings about. Uh, is that
1: fair to say at all? Oh, absolutely. It's more than fair to say. The, the, the entire book... Uh, was inspired by my many visits to uh, schools and how stressed out I could see the kids were uh, over the very uh, topic of testing. I I wasn't even there during the testing period sometimes, but the testing was so constant and so ubiquitous that it was there. I could see it. I could see it on their faces. I could talk to the teachers. The teachers would tell me how how stressed out their own kids were. And I felt like it was time for me to to, uh, cover the topic with my books. One of the things I always do when i when I have to come up with a new bad kitty idea is uh, the first question I ask myself is, what do kids care about? And uh, this is something kids really care about right now.
0: And um, is it something that you've I mean you've been doing bad kitty books for some years now? Is this something that you feel like even just in that time you've seen perhaps feel like it's getting worse?
1: Absolutely. A lot of this book can be traced back to a conversation I had with a girl in third grade at a school in central Pennsylvania and she was part of a small lunch group where we were all sitting and talking and she had just come in from a test. It was the middle of the year and um, every Friday she was given a test on whatever topic it was at the time and she was eight years old, right? And I asked her flat out, okay, well, tell me what that's like. How do you feel about this? And she said, well, I don't I don't hate the test so much. It, it makes me nervous, but she found it very dehumanizing that she's not even being tested by a human being. She, she takes it on, on a screen, and every time she got something wrong, the computer would tell her she was wrong. So it wasn't even being monitored by a, a human being anymore. Uh, it had just become so rote in her world that she was going to be tested all the time that people weren't even involved.
0: You know, at one point in the book, uh, you have a character mention that standardized testing can stifle creativity, and it's done in a a funny kind of offhanded way. But at the same time, you know, you're cramming a ton of different narrative and storytelling devices into this book. Um, You know, there's comic strip sequences, there's sections narrated through a 1970s film strip, Uh, there's a character who talks entirely in multiple choice test questions. You know, thinking back to that idea of creativity—is the structure of the book, or the way you assembled it, an effort in any way on your part to show kids, hey, you know, this is what creativity can look like sometimes, or this is what you can do within the pages of a 144-page book?
1: Well, you know, the the first concern I had when I, I came up with the notion of tackling this topic was I, I didn't want to create a work which would become preachy, and I didn't want to uh, create a book that was where the message would come before the story. Or the jokes, because that would make it a really dull book. That's not just for bad kitty books. That's just, that's really for any work, not even books, even films. If the message is, is, is sort of preceding the narrative and the character, then it, the work itself suffers. So I wouldn't have done this unless I could find a really fun, interesting, uh, wild way to tell this story. And of course, Kitty had to take a test. So the only question was what kind of test would it be when i came up with the notion of the cat license that pretty much cemented it for me because honestly i do think that the the this overabundance of standardized testing is counterproductive and just as counterproductive as a cat taking a test in order to prove that she is a cat
0: (laughs) I thought that the uh, the first chapter, you know, before we even get into the, the testing business, uh, was an interesting one. Uh, it's about a Bad Kitty's encounter with some birds. And, you know, while the chapter itself is written kind of in the style of a, a Dick and Jane uh, primer almost, it almost felt more like a primer on the concept of irony, uh, since the illustrations are telling such a different story uh, than the words are. Uh, was that at all your intention
1: there? Uh, it was partly my intention. I chose it. Uh, oddly enough, I'd written that that chapter long before I even started contemplating the book because uh, several years back, I started creating these early readers, these 8-inch by 8-inch, 24-page um, simple stories, which I consider to be like level one readers, kids learning to read for the first time on their own. And this, they all started with uh, the title, Bad Kitty Does Not Like. So the first two were Bad Kitty Does Not Like Dogs, then Bad Kitty Does Not Like Candy. The Most recent are um, Bad Kitty Does Not Like Snow, and then uh, Video Games. And during that time, I came up with this notion of writing a story called Bad Kitty Does Not Like Birds. And while I then, when I was sitting myself down trying to figure out what the chapter book could be about how to get Kitty into this situation where she had to take a test in the first place, uh, I remembered that story that I wrote and the colossal failure that that Kitty uh, commits in order to try and get these birds and I realized that could be a really fun opening chapter. Uh, To this book, plus it could serve as a nice little segue from those kids who uh, are have just learned how to read these early readers on their own, stepping into uh, chapter books uh, on their own. So the first chapter really is um, one of those early readers, one of those eight by eights.
0: Well, that's interesting. Because you, you have obviously you have the Bad Kitty picture books, these early readers, and then this, which is aimed slightly older. Um, Can you talk about the thought and the fine tuning that goes into structuring a book like this, or in the language that you use in it, depending on who precisely the audience is? I mean, do you feel like you have free reign when it comes to to the language, or are there moments when your editors are like Nick, we have to we have to rein that in?
1: Uh, Neil is pretty terrific. He he reigns in uh, uh, very little of my language. I think we are both on the same page in that I think the conventional wisdom nowadays is different from what it was uh, many years ago where you really don't have to reign in your vocabulary when writing works for children. Now, if I'm writing a book for um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a first grader or I'm going to write a book one of those early readers, then the, the language has to be simple in order to tell the story. But for the chapter books... I don't, I don't hold back at all. I don't hold back on the language, the vocabulary, or the content. Uh, if I can help, I mean, Bad Kitty for president goes fairly in-depth into the whole concept of, of campaign financing, for crying out loud. And, and, and Neil has never really balked at any of those things, partly because if you tell the story right— Then any kid is going to be able to figure out what's happening, not only in the action, but also in the sentence, just from the, the, the context alone. So I think long gone are those big vocabulary lists that used to be referred to ad nauseum of what words went into what books for what levels. I, I don't pay attention to any of that. And, and probably the, the, the best or worst example of that, if you, how, however you want to look at it, is a Bad Kitty Scaredy Cat, where I go into this massive uh, vocabulary list of some fairly obscure adjectives in order to tell the story. I was constrained by the alphabet, which is what made it necessary. But, you know, it's, it's a complicated set of words in that book nonetheless. But I still think the story works that's that's what comes first and foremost
0: Mm -hmm. and you know that book just came out i think uh about a month ago or so um i think we said in our review of it that you seem to be getting pretty close to hitting new records for how many times you're looping through the alphabet uh in a single picture book um do you feel like even this far into the series whether it's a picture book or or an early reader like this or chapter book uh you're you're constantly trying to sort of push the envelope a little bit with each uh, new book
1: Yeah, I don't think of it as pushing the envelope so much as I just don't like the idea of writing the same book twice. And and this is something I decided a long time ago. I I mean, for instance, you know, Bad Kitty Gets a Bath did did very well when it came out. I could have done the same sort of book where uh, something like Bad Kitty Goes to the Vet would be another version of Bad Kitty Gets a Bath Only Going to the Vet or something like that. And I just don't like Series that do that. I want the books to be really distinctive from each other. Uh, that's not always, uh, easy, but yeah, Bad Kitty for President is really different from Bad Kitty Drawn to Trouble, which is a standalone compared to Bad Kitty, uh, uh, gets a bath compared to Bad Kitty Goes to the Vet, which is, uh, which, which reads like an old 19, uh 45 Hollywood uh Heaven can wait type comedy. Part of it is just my own um I, I just don't want to get bored when I'm writing my own books and I want to write something that's just had, I haven't seen yet in the series. And uh, part of it is I want the I don't want my readers to pick up a bad kitty book and think that they can know for certain what's going to be in it. I want it to be uh full of surprises for them so that Each book is different from all the books that preceded it beforehand.
0: Mm. And if if we can talk about uh, Bad Kitty Scaredy Cat for just a little bit more, um, you know, it was not the first holiday-themed book for Bad Kitty. But so, what did you? um, What was your approach that you thought like how to? What's the angle on this one to really set this book apart and make it fresh?
1: Well, in a way, this book is the sequel to the very first Bad Kitty book in that I created. That Bad Kitty Scaredy Cat uses almost the exact same format and formula and, and much of the same language as, as Bad Kitty. What made it different for me was the notion of not only did I love the idea of making a huge alphabet of horrifying, scary creatures, but then to have it revealed, because it's not revealed in the text, but only visually, that those those creatures really are just kids that kitty is going to destroy as if they were creatures so uh, it, it's not in the language at all it's, it's actually a very unliteral book in the way uh, i visually depict it and that's what sets it apart from the original bad kitty book which is very literal in uh, word to picture if anything sort of format wise maybe it's a little closer to poor puppy where that's a book that if you read the words, it tells a completely different story. In fact, the opposite story than if you look at the pictures alone.
0: Well, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Bad Kitty uh, president book a bit, and I believe a new edition of that book came out um... – earlier this year. Uh, At this point, are you almost wishing that maybe Bad Kitty had gone ahead and launched a presidential bid?
1: Uh, You know, (laughs) if if I say anything more about the current presidential situation, I I will simply get myself into trouble. And I do that enough of that on Facebook anyway. Uh, So all I can say is that what happens in Bad Kitty for president is there's nothing prescient about it. it. It's it's what I and everyone else has seen in pretty much every other presidential campaign in our modern history. All of the debates, all of the grassroots and campaign trickery and such, you know, we're seeing it in this election and we've seen it In some form or another, in pretty much every other election that's preceded it, as well as in Bad Kitty for president.
0: Well, we'll say Bad Kitty for president and we'll leave it at that. Um, So is it essentially Bad Kitty all the time for you these days or are you also working on some other creative projects?
1: No, I I don't know what kind of liberty I have to uh, get into it right now, but uh, it seems all but certain that my next project, after I finish the current Bad Kitty book that I'm working on, which by the way is called, is going to be Bad Kitty Camp Days, that the next one, uh, my next project will be a middle grade reader, a non-bad kitty novel that As it stands now, I see as a potential uh, trilogy. I've uh, created an outline uh, and I've written a few uh, early chapters. As soon as I finish the book I'm working on now, I'm really going to be devoting myself to this. And it's a bit intimidating because I have never tackled a work like this. And I'm honestly not entirely certain of what I'm capable of with it. But I'm looking forward to it nonetheless.
0: Hmm. And will this next uh, Bad Kitty book, uh, Camp Days, is that going to be a chapter book like this one?
1: Yes, it'll be a a chapter book. And uh, once it's uh, all finished, it it may be the most complicated, honestly, of all the Bad Kitty books. A few of the chapter books uh, hit 160 pages. This one hits 160 pages, but there's just a a lot going on in it.
0: And, you know, going into the fall with the Halloween book and into early next year with this one, uh, do you have a a full slate of uh events and things like that is that something you're going to have time for
1: yeah uh, well i'm making the time for it i mean the the bad kitty scaredy cat is a very important book for me so uh i'm going to be touring for uh nearly 2 weeks just prior to halloween and i'm going to be doing a little circle around the Northeast, which I never get to do because all of the chapter books come out in January and when they send me on tour, they can't send me to the Northeast because it's just just too dangerous as far as travel is concerned. Uh, After that, I'm going to be flying to uh, various parts, uh, several of which I just don't have committed to memory. Yeah, but a little bit in the South, a little bit in the West, and a little bit in between.
0: Excellent. Well, you know, congratulations again on, on these new books, and thanks again for taking time to speak with me. Thank you. Once again, I've been speaking with Nick Bruhl, whose new Bad Kitty book, Bad Kitty Takes the Test, arrives in January from Neil Porter Books. Thank you for listening to PW Cast.